0: Welcome to the Marvel Events Timeline, the podcast that takes you on a journey through Timely, Atlas, and Marvel Comics, one event at a time.
1: Here are your hosts, Travis Bowe and Brian Lockhart. Hey, welcome back to Marvel Events Timeline. I'm Travis. And I'm Brian. And uh today we are going to check out the the team up the first big team book by Timely Comics the All-Winners Sorry is it All-Winners It's All-Winners Comics. I keep wanting to say All-Winners Squad, but I think that comes later.
0: Right, that's later.
1: So yeah, we've uh we've had some uh some crossover stuff with Human Torch and Namor, but this is the first time to my knowledge, that a, a whole team comes together in Timely. I don't know about, you know, D.C., I don't know what they're doing, but...
0: Yeah, I, I guess that's something I would have, I guess it could have been interesting if we had found out, like, like who pioneered this, if, if Timely hmm. had done it first, or if um, D.C. had already done this, but this is pretty, this is a pretty epic team-up.
1: It really is, yeah. I was just looking up when the Justice Society of America was formed. First appearance, All-Star Comics number three, winter of 1940, 41, it looks like. So, yeah, around this era.
0: Yeah. It sounds like they may have been first, but but not by much.
1: Like, like everything, DC got there first, it seems like. <laughs> Except for, you know, character crossovers. Yeah. Timely will always have that. That's right. Uh, yeah, do you want to start off with this? Uh, it's a two-page story written by a young Stan Lee. Just called All Winners.
0: I wonder if that kid will go on to do anything.
1: <laughs> he's a he's a dud.
0: <laughs> and literally mean kid. What was he, like 17 at this time?
1: He might have been 17, yeah. I, I know. Well, he was born in 1922, I think. I think that's right. But yeah, I know when he starts at Timely, he's like 17. And at this point, yeah, he's probably 17 or 18. So
0: yeah, he gets this. Uh, you know, because w- w- in in at this time, especially in these anthology books, they had to have that two page, <laughs> yeah. text. It was some law they had to do with being able in to. in order.
1: Yeah, go ahead.
0: Well, right to, to 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 get on like the newsstand or for right. shipping purposes, you had to be a real like book. So that's why these all they all have these texts. We've covered some of them. Obviously, Soldier mm-hmm. Soup was our big one we covered, but <laughs> yeah, they're 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 literally in every one of these. Um, uh, issue i think this is one of the more memorable ones obviously yeah. it sets a precedence you know <laughs> yeah yeah i mean what do you say we just talk about it i mean there's what's his name uh little johnny blake right johnny uh, yeah yeah <laughs> little johnny <laughs> He will go on to be a, the uh main star of all these little johnny jokes this, this, this is the kid right here probably <laughs> <laughs> but he's a marvel well, he's a marvel comics enthusiast i mean they even call it out he's got marvel yeah. comics he's reading about the torch and the submariner and the angel and He's reading about Captain America, and he's like, "Oh boy, I really wish I could meet these guys." You know, <laughs> this is the gist of it, right?
1: <laughs> Basically, yeah. And so it it really sets it, you know. This kid, I guess, exists in the real world where the comic, you know, he's reading the same comic books stories that we are. You know, so yeah,
0: but yeah, he's in the real world, as you said, and he just he's putting away his comics. You know, the actual comics we've been reviewing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, again, he's like he's he's just wishing that he can meet these guys. Wouldn't be great if they were his friends, kind of thing. Yeah. And to his surprise, and Muyen flies a Human Torch and Toro right into his room.
1: Almost like something out of a dream. Yeah. <laughs> this never
0: happens in real life.
1: <laughs> Look, I don't I don't know if how long I can keep up the the pretense that this is a a good story um we were we were bamboozled folks when we decided to do all winners number one here i thought the whole book was going to be a you know at least feature one big team-up story come to find out it's just a two-page text story by stan lee and to top that off it's a dream sequence (laughs) (laughs) what spoilers (laughs) oh and 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 and
0: don't don't uh, don't bury the lead on this, Travis. Uh, what is it really?
1: This is it's it's a goddamn commercial. <laughs> I mean, if you if you take the first letter of every uh, other paragraph, it spells out "Don't forget to drink your Ovaltine." <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. this this story is just a commercial to sell. Uh, you know the further adventures of all these other characters in their respective books. So.
0: Travis and I once we read it became extremely disillusioned with <laughs> life and we were like, We've never been the same since. <laughs> yeah. we we're, we're yeah. so much more cynical. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we were were just starry eyed kids, just, you know, <laughs> wanting to read about some uh some heroes. But yeah, Stan Lee. He he really uh showed us how he's he's learned to shuck and jive and and, you know, do the, the marketing angle. Kudos to Stan for duping us into paying our 10 cents for this book
0: <laughs> i mean he's a master at it he definitely <laughs> he really, uh, is. really is the way he does it and he's you got to think about it, he's a young kid and he only gets more proficient at it as time goes on <laughs> yeah <laughs> essentially little johnny you know has a wish fantasy of meeting being friends with the various characters in marvel comics so in in flies human torch and toro um and he's like geez wouldn't it be great if i could meet the rest and he's so yeah Toro, I think it's Toro, sends up a little flame skywriting type thing, and it says,
1: "Captain America, bring yeah. the gang," you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and Black and Black Marvel too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They all just like show up in his apartment, and I think at one point, Toro and Bucky get into like a kind not a fight, but you know, showing off with each other. And yeah. Toro's lighting things on fire. Uh, at one point, they do say like. Uh, that they they flew in through the melted window, so it's like even Human Torch and Toro, like they can't get away from destroying property by entering a scene.
0: Right, even a little kid's house, they can yeah. burn his house down. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, but
0: yeah, yeah. Like so, Cap, you know, Captain comes in and he's like, "Hey," he goes, "I know you, Johnny." He's like, "You do?" He's like, "Yeah." Ever since you became, uh, oh yeah, one of the Sentinels, Sentinel. one of my, <laughs> Sentinels, of Liberty, which is they they advertise in every single one of these uh-huh. comics at this point. Joined Captain Sentinel Liberty. So again, Stan Lee promoting, you know, yeah. their, their little, I, you know, I wonder was this part of his assignment? You know, did because he was Joe Simon's like assistant at that time, and he and he was given these kind of assignments. And yeah. I wonder if it was like, "Hey, just write a story," or if he's like, "Write basically a commercial." Like, I, I wonder how yeah. you know because he worked, he works it all in. And he even he even recounts some of their like, "Hey, I remember when you know Angel when you did this and this." you know, yeah. and, and he literally calls out what happened in Marvel Comics number one because they were talking about Sancho and
1: who who is it? They they, yeah. t- they um, literally
0: call out the Sando
1: the and Omar something like that. That's right. One yeah, of the, one of the Captain America stories.
0: From yeah, the from Captain America comics number one, it was yeah. like the first case or whatever. And then Namor was like, "Hey, remember when I stopped the Nazis at the South Pole and all?" Yeah, <laughs> like so. Again, it's all from like.
1: Uh, and I think he he even recounts something that Black Marvel does in this same book. You know? Yes,
0: yeah, that's right. Because he talks about the Order of the Hood. Yeah, and it was, but it was in this book. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, Johnny, how did you get a hold of this book ahead of time? <laughs> yeah. Is this this a Black Marvel's debut in this book, right? I think so. Yeah, so they couldn't reference something from the past for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean the the gist of it is they all start showing off. Like you, know, you said, like Bucky right. and Toro show off, and that just leads them to have like a competition. Mm-hmm. So Bucky and Toro do like this little acrobat thing, and I, I think Bucky's even using Cap Shield at one point.
1: Yeah, he kind of tossing it around and showing off with it. Yeah. They say that, like, at one point, the uh, Captain America, maybe the Angel, and Black Marvel, Black Marvel, I think they all go up to the roof to to fight. <laughs> and yeah. Th- I, I think the story would make more sense, you know, if it was like this is all happening in Central Park, you know, somewhere where you don't have to leave a kid's bedroom, go up to the roof where he can't even see what you're doing, you know. Right. Essentially. Right. Um, so little things like that just are strange about this this story. That's all in all. I mean, it's a dream. You know, we get to the end and and uh, does he wake up? Is that? I don't know I if he wakes
0: up but his mom walks in. So he, actually, what I feel like it more right. is is he's um he's daydreaming. He's using his imagination. Yeah. Because his mom comes in and I guess. She starts. Re, he starts telling her about the competition that they were having, but he never under, found out who the real winner was. And yeah. he's like, I guess they're all winners. <laughs> Wink. You know, and then he winks at the camera. You know? Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's right. Because they were fighting on the roof, and then they like all three of them tipped over the edge and were were falling like to their deaths. Apparently, and that's when he he wakes up, uh, kind of screaming, saying, "You'll be killed." And his mom's <laughs> like, "What's the matter, Johnny?"
0: Thank God this isn't like Franklin Richards, which was probably making this happen in his head for real, and then he killed <laughs> yeah. three of our, you know, original heroes. <laughs> right. No, but yeah. yeah. And then uh and he yeah. So they're all winners and, and we get the now we understand the origin of mm. not only the all winner squad when that comes around. Yeah. But but the the name of this book. They're all winners. <laughs> Nobody loses.
1: Yeah. Um, but there are some other really good stories, you know, actual comics in this this issue. So I, I know we both would like to talk about some of those stories.
0: Yeah, so I think there's in there's a total of five case numbers. You know, they break mm-hmm. it up by case again. Uh standard typical um anthology book for the time. It was hey, let's take the most popular characters, but it's yeah. really no different than um, you know, say Marvel Comics, but you know, Cap's in this one, and they just they just put their more popular characters together. Mm-hmm. And although Black Marvel is new, um, I think he does stick around for a while. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, And we'll kick it off with uh, the Human Torch story.
0: Yeah, case number one: Carnival of Fiends, featuring Human Torch and Toro the Flaming Kid by Carl Bergroth.
1: The story has a like a summary on the front page, a little little you know exposition box that if you read it, it, it it's pretty helpful, I think, to let you know what is happening in this issue. I got a little bit confused in this issue. I'll I'll say that up front. There's a, a Japanese like secret agent who is trying to basically ruin this Chinese American like festival that they're trying to put on to help raise money to to help save China, uh, basically.
0: Yeah. China was was divided at that time. They were having right. a civil war, but they were also conquered by at some point, I think it was at this time that Ch- Japan took them over. So this yeah. is this these are Chinese Americans trying to raise a million dollars to give money towards the free China. Yeah. uh part of China.
1: So I I was pretty unaware of of most of this stuff, the political, the real life political stuff going on in the background here. Um, I, I did look up, apparently, U- the USA was friendly with, with, I guess, free China during the war, and Roosevelt even made it a priority to provide aid after 1938. And so, USA and China were essentially allies until, I think it all kind of broke down around 1949. One of the first things that we see uh, torch in this story say, uh, there, there, there are newspaper headlines saying that, uh, a bunch of Chinese-Americans are going to you know, do this festival in Chinatown. There's going to be one million is their aim, and there's going to be fireworks. And one of the first things we see Torch say, that it's trouble, if you ask me. And then whoever he's with, he's with uh, an Inspector Riley. And Riley says, well, blast you, Torch. Can't people hold a festival without you thinking of trouble? Torch's response to that is, yep, if there isn't a million involved... I read that as Torch was being very anti Chinese. I thought he was saying it's it's nothing but trouble when they you know a bunch of them get together. You know, <laughs> so I read the rest of this issue or the rest of this story with a real like Torch, you're a jerk. You know, just real. Uh, it really colored my my perception of what was kind of happening in this issue. And then once I like read back through it, I realized. Oh, Torch is saying they're trying to raise a million dollars. When you get that money, you know, involved, that's where trouble comes from. So he knows that there's going to be someone, some element, criminal element is going to try to steal this money, basically, and that's what Torch is worried about. So once I understood that, the rest of the issue like reread <laughs> as a very like, you know, pretty sensible. Like, oh, Torch is actually trying to help these. Uh, Chinese American people, so
0: yeah, because they even put on um, some firework display. <laughs> yeah, like they he even says like there's one right here. It says "Help China," and it shows the yeah. evil Japanese killing the Chinese uh, civilians.
1: Really <laughs> strange so, imagery. Yeah. It's like a, I think it's like a mother and and holding her baby with a, a soldier, maybe with a bayonet, like attacking them. Like it's it's so grisly.
0: <laughs> it, it is. I mean, but Japan was mm. horrible to the Chinese people right. horrible Japan was downright I mean I don't want to get into like you know sure <laughs> I mean but it's real world they yeah. were horrible to the Chinese people and and that's where I mean that is not i mean that was common I mean not common mm-hmm. that is not um yeah I mean that depiction yes is propaganda but it's that's what was going on stuff like that so it's like yeah they're you know they're showing the horrors please donate money you know that yeah. type of thing, so yeah. I mean, yeah, torture was definitely on uh, the free Chinese people's side at this yeah. point. But you know what? I had a I had that at the same time. I at first, I thought he was saying, you know, the Chinese people are up to no good. Yeah. <laughs> but as as soon as he said a million, I knew what he meant about the right. <laughs> the money. So I I had a glimmer of the same thing you had. Okay. Um, but yeah, from from there out, it was it was all about. You know preventing it's basically a heist at this point I mean yes yeah. there's Japanese saboteurs and which is standard fare. if they're not Japanese mm-hmm. they're they're nazis you know yeah. in all these books at this time
1: <laughs> so essentially it's a story of of torch and and Toro you know they've they've raised all this money and it's them trying to essentially get it back and so they go after the money and end up getting hypnotized by this Japanese saboteur uh, matsu mm-hmm yeah, so they're hypnotized to go after the money. They go to the like free China bank and steal the money straight up. So, there's no real resolution to that either. I mean, we can assume that the money gets back into the rightful hands, you know, once they are like snapped out of the the hypnotized state. You know, by there's falling n- downstairs. Yeah, falling downstairs, <laughs> and then Human Torch just slaps Toro to wake yeah. him up. <laughs> Think of the
0: Batman slapping Robin, you know, meme, <laughs> yeah. and that's, it's 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 yeah. pretty similar. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, <laughs>
1: um, but nothing is made of Torch and Toro seemingly robbing the the Chinese bank. You know, um, we can assume that everything is cleared up later on, but. You know, it, it's, it's not just, on the page. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. They they basically chase after the guy who did it and they catch him, you know, and I guess that's the resolution, but there's, there's a few loose ends that I, I kind of wish they would have touched on, but overall it's a pretty decent story.
0: I enjoyed it. I, the, the Matsu guy, one thing I noticed is, uh, I'm probably saying his name wrong, but he looks a lot like Hitler, even though he's Japanese. He does. He's like Hitler with a monocle, but he's Japanese.
1: I was confused by that too. Um, the The one thing that clearly, you know, indicates that he is Japanese in this issue is that they color him. His, his skin is a, a real sickly yellow green color. It's very yeah. off putting, but it's definitely even the Chinese people in this story are colored with a similar. Oh uh, yeah, ye- yellow green kind of color. So that's not ideal
0: no they, they make no distinction between the Japanese and the um, and the Chinese as far as that yeah I mean, yeah they they are the you know they they have that yellowish hue to them yeah as they're depicted in comics so I think I mentioned it to, to you and I Travis and when we were talking before like uh, regardless if they're a racial minority or like say like the Nazis or or even like a gangster they always kind of deform. The um the villains, but oh, yeah. the free Chinese are supposed to be the good guys, and they still give them that you know sickly hue. So I yeah, it's it's just the unfortunate um way they did things back then. Right is really what I think it is. Um yeah, that was a good one though. I mean I as far as a torch story, I enjoyed it. It's silly, mm-hmm. sure, you know. And, but and they all these have some sort of political war, you know. Oh yeah, uh, hint to it's them all at this time yeah
1: support the war effort and <laughs> yeah uh the enemies in all these stories are always you know saboteurs yeah or, fifth
0: element uh, fifth column
1: yeah, yeah. uh yeah. or just outright nazis you know it, they're mm. uh i guess a couple stories i've read for for what we're going to talk about today or, or maybe next time or sometimes they're gangsters you know there's a one story i read that involved just gangster counterfeiters so there are there are some even i guess the the next one we're probably going to talk about the black marvel story um they're definitely anti-american but they're not they don't seem outright you know they're not nazis they're just a, a kind of a a cult are stone cutters
0: oh yeah it, in my notes i refer to them as the stone cutter, evil stone okay, cutters yeah yeah <laughs> they're, the yeah, order but- of the hood yeah, and they were, like, druid-type robes. Right. Um, so what is this? Case number two, The Order of the Hood featuring Black Marvel, which was, I had this uh, noted as art was by L. Iveson and L. Gabriel with a story by Stan Lee.
1: Yeah. I I was surprised to see that Stan wrote a full you know, comic story in this issue, so that was a nice uh, surprise.
0: Yeah, and, um, I mean, I I, I, I'm going to assume based on this that he would be considered a co-creator of the Black Marvel.
1: He might be. Um, I, I thought I had checked. I wasn't certain if Black Marvel originated in this issue or if he popped up in like a Daring Comics or Mystic Comics or something like that. So
0: No, this is his debut. Okay. Um, yeah, Black Marvel. And that was... Oh, actually, I take that back. Sorry, I'm wrong. Black Marvel was in Mystic Comics number five. Okay yeah
1: yeah. okay and then we couldn't find that issue i think none of the mystic comics or very few of them are uploaded into the marvel unlimited i think
0: yeah if there is if there is it's only mystic comics number one uh which is unfortunate because there's a lot of debuts and a lot of um yeah uh, interesting characters that i wanted to at least uh you know review not even if we didn't review just kind of have a knowledge of sure and they're, they're just not there and I'm, I'm yeah i'm not seeking out <laughs> uh more money to spend right yeah, <laughs> on some <yeah>. rando <laughs> <laughs> that we'll never see again yeah um, I, I gotta tell you i like this black marvel issue
1: it's a solid Earth. adventure story yeah yeah um the hero is very mild-mannered um did you catch his name
0: dan lyons
1: Dan Lyons, okay.
0: With an out, with a Y. I mean, L Y O N S. Dan yeah. Lyons. Right off the bat, I, I had a I had a feeling of like Spider Man, Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. He's with his two friends, and they're conveniently they're like, "Hey, there's this order of the Hood that's been you know robbing <laughs> these banks. I, why doesn't anybody do anything about it?" And literally right then there <laughs> on the street, he's like, "Uh, hey, I got something to do. You guys go yeah. ahead." And because the black, he's a black Marvel, and he's gonna handle it. But he's got to do it right there. But the whole like, hey, I got a couple friends. I got to go like make an excuse why I'm I'm out doing super heroics. Yeah. Uh, and then when I saw Stan Lee wrote it, I'm like, oh mm. man, that's that's very Peter Parker ish. Sure.
1: Because even when he's not around, the uh, Pat Patton and what are the names? Uh, Pat and Mary. Uh, they're talking about him after he's kind of left, and uh, uh, Mary says, you know, Pat. Dan would be a very nice fellow if only he had more spunk and more life in him. And Pat says, oh, he's okay, even if he is a bit dull. So that is yeah. very much you know, how Peter Parker's friends would kind of talk about him or or even people that weren't his friends would refer to him as being dull or things like that. So
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the gist of this whole story is these guys are robbing banks so that they can have enough money to basically – Fund their assault on America, I guess. Right? Yeah. You know,
1: like their just... their plan is to knock over banks and jewelry stores and anything you, you know yeah. to to get money. They plan to thieve and murder until America pays them one million per year. <laughs> right, one million dollars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, not a bad goal, I guess. A million a year, uh, then you're set for a while. So. But I mean, that's a weird way to attain that goal. Just we're gonna thieve and murder,
0: right? Why don't you just steal a million every time you steal from the bank? Like they're stealing like for like multiple banks in one month, they probably got more than a million dollars each time.
1: Essentially, it's it's a racketeer sort of thing. You're offering protection, basically. Yeah. Like, oh, it'd be a shame if I knocked over this jewelry store. (laughs) Why don't you give me a cut, and then you'll be fine? So that's basically all this is yeah
0: <laughs> Black Marvel prevents one of the uh, yeah. heists so they want revenge and they set up a a heist at jiffany's <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I always love those little like uh-huh. you, know, you know sort of like the real thing
1: we can't say Tiffany's so
0: yeah and, they, and essentially they capture the Black Marvel mm-hmm. um they bring him back to his lair their lair and they're gonna kill him on live TV with a death ray some sort of death yeah. ray and yeah. it's going to burn them you know it's going to burn them to death once the light changes or something
1: <laughs> i think they're putting they're basically going to put them in a in a suntan booth
0: yeah and turn it up really high <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but right he times uh, so black marvel times it just as the, the light comes down uh, it burns his bindings and he escapes but how does it doesn't go right through and then kill him is beyond me. right yeah it's it, it, it uh then it's like rock'em sock'em time. He's just mm. they're literally just punching each other.
1: I like that he uh he summons like the strength to to fight on because the the leader of the hood um he he announces to the people of America it's like they turn on this uh shortwave radio set that he's able to communicate with America with and the the bad guy says, Hear me, people of America, the Black Marvel, your famous hero, has been captured by me, the Hood and you will be privileged to hear his death groans. After his death, there will be no one to resist me. Put on the ray. And then Black Marvel has like a thought balloon, and he says, I'm not afraid to die, but I can't be killed now when the American people need me. I must escape somehow. <laughs> and then that's when he proceeds to, <laughs> yeah. you know. That's right.
0: It's like the, will, the American people clap really hard, and he yeah. got a strike to break out. Yeah, <laughs> It's very
1: much that. It, it's the... the unbreakable american spirit that right you know <laughs> that was channeled through uh, black yeah. Marble. so
0: yeah so i mean essentially you know beats up the uh you know the 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 rest of the stone cutters and then mm. uh number one runs up a mountain where he's got a huge threatening surprise uh yeah that he's gonna is 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 powerful weapon that he's gonna use against black marvel he's literally <laughs> calling it like i got a surprise waiting for you and it's just a boulder <laughs> yeah <laughs> He just picks up a huge rock, which I mean, he must be pretty strong, cause that's a pretty yeah. big boulder. And he chucks it right at Black Marvel, but he misses. So he's not even that good, like. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I guess. Oh, then he uses a hand mirror to blind oh, yeah, him. To blind. Yeah, him. So he just pulls out of a hand mirror, and it and it, but that causes Black Marvel to fall off a cliff. <laughs> uh, but luckily, he's like an acrobat, so he grabs uh, onto like a what is that a um, does a like branch. a branch? Yeah, yeah dream, and he just swings back up. Yeah, and he swings back up and punches him out, and that's yeah, that's the end. Causes a little rock slide, and it that's seems it, like uh, the yeah.
1: Hood gets buried. Uh, I guess buried alive, because uh, Black Marvel says, "I guess that's the end of the Hood." So, and yeah, get,
0: just like that, done. Yeah, yeah. Get
1: a cut to the neck. It says next day, and he's he's chatting with his friends, Pat and Mary, and you know, it's kind of like the same Peter Parker kind of stuff. Like, oh, you should have been there, uh, Dan. Oh, it must have been exciting, you know. He says, "Oh, uh, such things bore me." Say, who won today's polo match?
0: Right, yeah, and I, and I like the way they kind of like zoom in, like uh, the art, like on, on the guy's face, yeah. you know, on Dan Lion's face, and it, it does remind me of the old Superman winking at the camera, like, mm. "Oh, uh, it's too bad, you know, Clark wasn't here," and he's like, yeah. "Oh, he knows." Wink, you know, Superman winks in the yeah, the old Adventures of Superman. So yeah,
1: there's it's odd that it doesn't end with a, uh, you know, any kind of teaser for next time you know okay catch black marvel in the next exciting issue or something like that there's none of that with this it just literally ends with that kind of wink and nod and then you're into the the captain america story next
0: i wonder if they didn't know well i mean this is not his first appearance so uh, i would think they were going to plan on doing it and of course they're advertising them in that dream sequence commercial right so yeah but i mean because almost all of these are like hey tune in to uh, either go buy Captain America comics number one, or come back to you like USA Comics number two, and to find yeah. out more about you know so and so. They all do it, but yeah, it jumps right into case number three, which is uh, Captain America story by uh, it just says a Simon and Kirby production.
1: Yeah, I like that they've they've made enough of a name for themselves.
0: Yeah, because as we discussed, like sometimes they would pull in outside help, but they would mm. all try to do the same style. So I, I guarantee they may not even know who did what when at the at this time at this era you know sure <laughs> you could kind of I, I i think there is a um it's like a uh, i forget the name of the website now but it was like a kirby like museum oh yeah type, uh, online thing and there's a whole subsection of simon and kirby where the guy's like almost forensically going through trying to prove who did what like who lettered <laughs> this who did wow. you think simon did this He thinks somebody else lettered that because there wasn't a lot of credit back then or things were miscredited yeah. you know uh, but yeah, so I just like that, a Simon and Kirby production, case mm-hmm. number three, the case of the Hollow Men, an all-winner's feature from the personal files of Captain America and Bucky.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> this one I really liked. I actually read it sure. twice. I had actually read it a few months ago, mm. and I'm like, this is a this is going to be a good one. And so yeah, I read it again in preparation of this uh, recording, but yeah. uh, the, the main villain is the, the Lord of Death, which yeah. is... This is a, this is, I mean, even though again, once again, there's Nazis, there's saboteurs, there's fifth column, you know, mm-hmm. elements, but it's a horror story. And there's, yeah, there's zombies.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. And they, and they even call them the walking dead. So yeah, yeah. Was, they, yeah.
0: They, cause I was thinking, I'm like, well, they didn't, they didn't actually refer to them as zombies back then, but they did. It was zombies oh, yeah. and the walking dead. And I was like, that is so
1: cool. <laughs> I think this, the term zombies I did some some kind of research on that and it like it either started in in Africa but it didn't mean like walking dead corpses but right. the word like a version of the word zombie kind of came from there and then like in the Dominican Republic I think is where or Cuba maybe is where the more standard zombie that we're kind of aware of basically started and and that all was like right around the 1920s sort mm-hmm. of so yeah
0: yeah cuz these these zombies are smart
1: mm-hmm. yeah they're they can drive cars <laughs> yeah. they can yeah they can pick their targets and they understand what they're going after so it's it's a little bit different from what we're used to
0: yeah they 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 talk and um <laughs> you know they don't say much but they talk they are smart though they're intelligent to a to a point, they're basically mm-hmm. under the control of the Lord of the of Death.
1: Yeah,
0: um, he he sends them on a mission, and they take it. They they accomplish it. But yeah, they they um. Well, let's just get into it. So basically, yeah. they are dead homeless people from the Bowery, which right, is, you know, yeah, and and they even dress like traditional like hobos. <laughs> like sure. you know, when we ever see the clown hobo, the first one we see is like looks like a clown hobo,
1: basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, they just I mean, it's you know pretty standard fare of the time. Yeah, but they're all they're white. <laughs> You know they're white and kind of craggly, and and yeah, this their skin is drained of any color. Uh, so right off the bat, we see one of these zombies um, unleashed on an unsuspecting cop who sh- starts shooting at him immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's like, hey, this guy's and Lord of Death is there for some reason. Like it's almost mm-hmm. like this is a test run, right? I think so. Yeah. The cop shoots at him, but it doesn't kill him. So basically, the Lord of Death is like, hey, you know, this is this is a zombie and he's dead and he's homeless. Yeah. You know, so.
1: I like that he immediately puts in a call to his friend, uh, the Führer. Yeah, calls calls Adolf to tell him that he's created these zombies, and uh, with them, you know, he can do basically whatever he wants him, you know, wants to do to to chip away at the American, you know, basically work on America over here while while Adolf is is doing things overseas. But he does tell Adolf that he's going to want a million dollars a job. Yeah,
0: see, that's a little bit more than a million a month, you know. So yeah, <laughs> well, it, it depends on how many jobs he does in a month. He has potential, you know, for for, for future earnings. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I, I like that it was on a first name basis with him. So, mm. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so then we cut to like Steve Rogers and Bucky. They're on guard duty down in the Bowery for these ships. The they call them um, uh, what do they call them? They the call lend lease. Yeah, yeah, Lend-Lease. That was all part of supplying Europe with, or England specifically, I think, with um, supplies to be able to fight over, over in the war.
1: Yeah, I had to look this up because I, I didn't really know anything about Lend-Lease. It makes sense. Once you read about it, it was like an act, act to promote the defense of the United States. Essentially, it was the U.S. kind of sold it as, we're helping ourselves by providing aid to our allies. You know, we're still not in the war yet, but by providing all this aid to uh, United Kingdom, uh, British Commonwealth, Free France, and Republic of China, and later Soviet Union, uh, with food, oil, and material between 1941 and 45, So it was loaned on the basis that such help was essential for the defense of America. This aid included warships and warplanes, along with other weaponry, Signed into law on March 11th, 1941, and ended uh, September 20th, 1945. Hmm. So so this would have been, because when did this issue, so this is June in 1941 that this All Winners is out. So this is a brand new thing. Yeah, and it was, uh, you know, like you said, it was
0: basically let's keep us out of the war by funding our allies who can hopefully defeat these guys before we get dragged into it uh spoiler alert that didn't happen right. <laughs> well, anyways um yeah so i mean so that's so cap and, and bucky are on guard duty down at the docks for these type of ships and on their watch yeah of course you know all of a sudden these uh a, a, a horde of, of bowery bums mm-hmm. <laughs> rush the boat and they're yelling kill kill burn burn stuff like that yeah and then they find out, like, so Cap and Bucky start shooting. Then other guards show up, and they start assisting them, and they're, they find out their weapons are useless. So this is a job for Captain America and Bucky.
1: There's a great panel of Steve just saying, Zombies, Bucky, they're zombies. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, this the art is amazing in this yeah. one. Um, I, I love the horde. You totally get it. You see how, like, useless it is. And I just love when Cap and Bucky just—they change their costumes and they come rushing in and they just start punching the, the heck out of these zombies because when bullets don't work, try fists. Right, and <laughs> and even like Bucky's doing these leaping punches, <laughs> yeah. I, I, and they push him back into the into the ocean, you know, yeah. into the water off the docks. And what I like about that is we we know, you know, because they, cause they said you know they're going to go off into the ocean to die again, yeah, because. You know, and, you know, as we know, as anybody hits the water, you know, we know they can't swim. We already established that with the Red Skull. So <laughs> you're dead. Right. Even if you're already dead, you're dead again. You know, what I didn't mention is earlier in the issue, before they started their guard duty, they give money to, a, a you know, one of the Bowery bums. It was just yeah. a panhandler. Yeah. And and they recognize one of him as one of the zombies. Yeah. So because of the utter failure by Cap and Buck, no, not Cap, Cap and Bucky did their job. Uh, <laughs> Steve Rogers, Cap, you know, Private Steve Rogers, why do you put a private in charge of <laughs> guard duty? He's beyond me. So they are punished for their failure. The ship doesn't get destroyed.
1: Yeah, they burn it. Yeah.
0: Yep. And uh, so they have to go shine shoes. <laughs> but this gives uh, Cap, and uh, you know, an idea. So basically him and Bucky go undercover uh, as a... Uh, Bowery bum, shoeshine people to find out because they're like they must be recruiting from the Bowery, so they you know they go they hadn't they head down there and they do that. But then a a zombies the zombies attack a bridge. They're going to destroy a bridge that is used by the trucks to bring the supplies over the bridge to the docks.
1: Not not just
0: any bridge. It's the it's the Brooklyn Bridge. Oh yeah, I I guess I didn't even make that connection. But this is where we get the zombie driving. Truck-driving zombies, you know? Yeah. Like, and, and they cause like, massive crash and destruction, and they actually start, like, murdering pedestrians that are, like, mm-hmm. grabbing them on the street and all that. It's pretty it, um
1: It's pretty a horror gruesome. comic. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's a zombie movie at this point. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I would, at the very least, would like to see a cartoon of this, if not a full-on movie. Like, I really enjoy this. But uh, yeah. they derail a subway train. Mm. And it, it literally says the passengers are massacred and they're just laying yeah. all about, and just the hordes keep coming at them. But of course, you know, Captain Bucky show up, and they end up grabbing some of the grenades that were meant for England,
1: lend thing, yeah,
0: yeah. And they they throw them, you know, at the zombies, and uh, they end up killing them. But did they destroy the bridge as well?
1: They sure it do. It really looks, yeah, because
0: <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they all fall into the ocean, including Captain Bucky, mm-hmm. and their bell is definitely rung from that.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's such a, a odd notion that Captain America, yeah, he throws a grenade into, like, a, one of the munitions uh, shipments that's on one mm-hmm. of these trucks, and, yeah, it blows up the bridge, and nothing is made of that later, you know? No.
0: and it essentially does the job that the Lord of Death was sent was sending the zombies <laughs> yeah. to do, like, so mission accomplished, Lord of Death, geez, you got Captain America to do your bidding. but he does succeed in destroying the zombies though
1: (laughs) yeah yeah cap captain america is not always the best at his job
0: (laughs) thank god he had bucky there to murder people for him (laughs) right yeah um
1: basically this this leads to like enough of the zombies have been wiped out basically the lord of death is gonna have to recruit again like he's gonna have to build up his numbers again they know they're coming from
0: the bowery yeah so he he's like i think He's going to need more. So they just hang out in a homeless shelter.
1: Yeah. So for me, it was weird that they posed as homeless people earlier when they probably could have just stayed in uniform and hung around the Bowery enough to, you know, be on site for the, the whole Brooklyn Bridge thing. It's weird that they, to me, that then they do that again. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it makes sense the second time because they want to get recruited, basically. Yeah.
0: They're now. This is where they truly go undercover. Before it yeah. was just like a surveillance thing. This is yeah. now they're like, if we go hang out, they will recruit us, and when, and that's exactly what happens. Hey, yeah. you guys look like strapping young men. <laughs> you know, come with yeah. me, even though you're like twelve. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: He offers them money basically. Hey, you know, we're gonna. Uh, you're strapping men. I need men. You, you know, I'll pay you to come do this. And they're like, sure. But he brings him into their lab, and the zombies are actually using guns and holding them up at you know yeah. gunpoint. And he's like, well, I don't want you dead yet because I need – I forget why he said he needed them alive for, for the next little bit before yeah. he's going to drain their blood.
1: Mm-hmm. So he essentially
0: explains how – they become zombies. So he has this Omni D- 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 Fluid Dynamo yeah. DI-NAMO fluid that he designed himself <laughs> and it basically drains the body of blood and it puts this dynamo fluid into them. You know, of course that's where they they just become completely white and 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 yeah. you know bereft of all <laughs> you yeah. know for 24
1: or- hours it gives them super vitality. Yes. So and they cannot die, which he proves by just stabbing one of the zombies.
0: Yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> full on. Uh, but Cap and Bucky spring into action. You know, they drop their bum mm-hmm. clothes and they they got their uniform on underneath. Uh, Cap makes a little funny joke about Hedy Lamar. <laughs> yeah, <That's> Hedley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he ends up just punching him into uh, the Lord of Death into uh, his machinery, and he. I, yeah. I, I assume he's just electrocuted. You know, he's. It, it looks like he's dead.
1: Maybe he does say, "Let the cops pry him loose." So. I assume he's alive. He's just knocked out and kinda pinned underneath his machinery. Like If they want to bring
0: him uh, back, they could. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then they get a call from uh DeFuhrer. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: they do a little phone prank on him, you know, like
1: <laughs> That's happened to, it seems like that's happened a few times now. I like when they get on the phone with Adolf and they just like I think he blows him a raspberry. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
0: yeah. But I love, okay, so this is, and I think I shared this on social media, and I'll have to do it again because it's great. And it's like, meanwhile, in Nazi Germany, the Fuhrer makes a transatlantic phone call. Hello? Is this the Lord of Death? How are things going? Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, well, everything's fine now, Adolf. (laughs) (laughs) He's cap on the other end, you know. (laughs) And he's, and of course, uh, you know, Adolf is just, you know fit to be tied and it's i like that they make fun of him you know oh yeah it's like uh, like just take the take it right to him but it's so silly to see him like hello lord of death you know (laughs) like this is like the (laughs) like evilest person on the planet and it's like hello (laughs) of course then you know we have to get the little recap of uh private steve and bucky getting you know crapped on by their platoon sergeant about how they aren't Fit to shine the shoes of Captain America and Bucky mm-hmm. as they're sitting there shining all the shoes or finishing the the job that they had to do. So yeah. <laughs> again, I, I go back to why Captain America, why Steve Rogers is a private. He gets all the crap work when he should be out saving the world from zombies. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this was a fun one. I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, I was surprised at how grisly it's it was in in certain pages. So. Uh, you know, maybe maybe Frederick Frederick Wortham was right. You know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, we we Travis and I in the background. If when we,
0: when we read stuff, we'll ping each other and we're like, I think Wortham was right because <laughs> we <laughs> we keep coming across these things where it's like, is wow, like it's comic, okay. yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. L- little,
1: little Johnny Blake is is reading this story and uh, yeah,
0: right. <laughs> so he's gonna become the Lord of Death when he's old. Yeah. Now, um, wh- what I will say about this. Is I feel like the Simon and Kirby stuff is far superior to, to a lot of the other stuff that that mm. I've read around this time. It just seems like this stood apart. Like this could have been in a more modern comic compared to some of the other ones that I've yeah. read. I, I don't. Know, I don't know. It's just. Anyways, on to the next one. Sure. Uh, yeah. Because because the, there's I uh, the next one I enjoy, too is the uh, case number four featuring
1: the Submariner by Bill Everett. Yeah. I I really like this one. Yeah, it doesn't give a title, does it? It just says it doesn't. You know, yeah, case number four. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they don't. This is a new Namor that we've seen previously. You know, last time we checked in, he was an outright villain towards America. Then, kind of like occasionally would help out. and He'd fight Nazis or he'd protect American boats or, uh, but in this issue, he's full on protector of America's shores. Oh yeah. The book starts out, he's just on the coast of I think it says Virginia. It is, and yeah. And he just is investigating this like boathouse and see I guess he, he he happens upon like some Nazis who are building what are called torpedo boats. He stows aboard one, basically takes control of it, he finds uh thought that there's there's one panel that I thought was really interesting. He's on board this torpedo boat and he says uh, wow, three depth bombs, torpedoes, machine guns, a regular arsenal. Looks like the Nazis are secretly building torpedo boats on our coast. Oh, our, yeah. our <laughs> uh, Yeah, our coast. I thought that was yeah. really interesting.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I didn't catch that until you called it out now, but I kind of like the Nazis' plan here. It's hmm. kind of like... That's why I like this. It, it's like, well, you know, yeah, sabotage and all this. No, they're actually on our shores, you right. know, as to quote Namor, and they're building an arsenal to to attack the ships from here. Like, so sure. they like setting up a break, base. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually, and then they can cause so much havoc. And you know, I, I like I like that, and it's it's interesting that he he came across. You know, he actually finds a couple of them. I think he finds this one, but I think there's yeah. another one that he finds later.
1: Just reading through this story, it's also a different no- Namor in that he's dropped a lot of the that pompous, like regal swagger that I've come to expect from from Namor, and he talks just like any other timely comics hero at this point. Like he sounds just like a Captain America or Human Torch, or yeah, you know, when he's fighting against the. Uh, the nazis here he just he's not say, he's not just you know spouting off like oh how dare you lay hands on the prince of the regal prince of you know <laughs> none of that that's all gone he's just talking like any other typical marvel hero
0: yeah they're all they're always like you rat you you know mm-hmm. whatever a lot of a lot of rats <laughs> he's mostly a nice guy
1: <laughs> yeah yeah essentially he's he takes out a couple of these ships and one of them goes down it's a it's not an enemy craft that goes down, so he goes to try and save any any survivors. And there's a lady who th- who goes into the water. He makes a grab for her and misses. And yeah, that's that's odd for for Namor to be underwater and and not hit his target. <laughs> so he misses catching her, and in doing so, he like his momentum carries him into the. Uh, propellers of one of the torpedo boats, which mm-hmm. knocks him out, and he gets like tangled up in the propellers. And then the lady that went in the water, she is revived, and she sees that Namor is like caught up in this propeller. So she goes and prys him loose, saves you know saves his butt, and gets him to the surface, and uh, revives him by smacking him, which <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> and then. When he's awake he says, "Come on, miss, I'll get you ashore." And she says, "Get me ashore. Holy smoke, mister, I'm the one who rescued you." Yeah. But you can help the other help me with the others. So, she's spunky. I like her. Yeah. This is it's it's a good story. He uh he kind of teams up with her. He gets her to shore and then he goes um after another boat.
0: Yeah, he goes after and yeah, he follows one of the other boats I think back to another another dock I think. Yeah. I think it's a completely separate dock. Yeah, cuz he leaves her ashore promising to come back. He locates the Nazi boat and he knocks out the crew. Mhm. And then he returns to the woman.
1: Yeah, he picks her up with the boat.
0: Yeah, and then he,
1: and, and okay, so
0: that's one of my favorite <laughs> in yeah. this one he's like hello yeah don't be afraid it's me not the nazis <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like, and then talking.
1: she she swoons when when he tells her that he's the submariner um then they go to a a coast guard station to basically inform the coast guard that hey be on the lookout for these like boathouses where they're building the nazis are building uh, these torpedo boats and so then like a fleet of coast guard ships go out and presumably to to take care of any Nazi element that might be in the area. And we never learn her name, but I'm hoping she becomes a a little bit more of a recurring character down the road. But yeah, no idea who she is. But uh, she says, well, Mr. Submariner, I guess we've all got a, a lot to thank you for. I hope you won't give up the good work. He says, don't worry, miss, I won't quit. Just keep an eye open for the next issue of the Submariner and Marvel Comics, and you'll get an idea what my plans are. So (laughs) he breaks the fourth wall. Yeah, he's
0: he's Deadpool before Deadpool was a thing. So Mm -hmm. he's like, and again, he's doing a crummy commercial. Yeah, (laughs) at the end of his comic. Yeah, it's not because even because then the last panel, of course, is the don't miss the further adventures. But yeah. You, so you didn't have to have him tell her to read my book. <laughs> so is, is Marvel Comics is timely art like doing the whole like thing that they did with the Fantastic Four, where it's like, hey, we're actually a comic book <laughs> right. you know, company of our exploits. So yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I'll just briefly cover this next one. Well, unless you got anything more you want to talk about the Namor case. No,
1: no, I'm basically this one made me go and read the Namor story. So I'll mention okay. it kind of at the end end here, but yeah, I didn't read the Angel story. For some reason, I just can't get into the Angel, so I always skip yeah. those. So yeah, please tell give me some some information on on the Angel.
0: Yeah, our dear listeners have not heard this, but we've actually talked about (laughs) the
1: angel before when with Marvel Comics number one.
0: Uh, But that that made it to the cutting room floor.
1: (laughs) Oh, okay, that wasn't in the. That's
0: right. Yeah, I think we ended up. uh, Yeah, because we we, it it was. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it it is not. uh, Although the angel does
1: come back, the angel. Oh yeah, he's a recurring character. Yeah.
0: Just real quick, uh, case number five was featuring the angel, the case of the mad gargoyle, uh, essentially. There is this guy, the Mad Gargoyle. It seems like he is possibly a reoccurring villain, but also at the same time, I think he's just a one-off villain. But all these planes are disappearing somewhere down in South America. I believe it's South America. I don't think he would ever really call it out. So the angel's like, I got to go figure out what's going on. So he dons a disguise and charges a plane. And then as they're flying down there, the plane starts to crash. So he just parachutes the heck out of there and leaves the pilots to, to, oh, you know, to, to fend for themselves. But it turns out there's like a tractor beam and it pulls these, the pilots are like, hey, we're getting pulled into this temple. We're going to crash. Oh, we're fine. And when they get there, they see that all these people and all these planes are are there and there's all these like, you know, Americans and and I assume other, you know, other countries as well. There's all these planes there. Well, Angel then, you know, lands, becomes the angel and he's like tracking where the plane went and he finds the temple as well. And basically what the, the gist of it is, there's these natives ruled by the gargoyle. They worship Satan via the moon or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> They're Satan worshipers. Sure. And they what they do is on the full moon, they take one of the white men and then they take one of the natives. So what they typically do is they take the strongest of the, the white men mm. and then they take the weakest, usually an old man, of the natives. And they put them each on a catapult. And they <laughs> catapult them towards each other. What? <laughs> this is only on the full moon, and if they collide in air, the gods are pleased, or the god, even though Satan, they're Satan worshippers. God is their god, their moon god is pleased. And then, of course, you fall to your death. And if they miss, well, then the god is not pleased, but again, you'd fall to your death. And the whole point (laughs) is they get rid of their weakest, oldest person usually that way, and they take care of the strong. So Angel is now captive with them and decides he's going to prove that he's the toughest, so he starts fighting. Because the full Mm. moon's like tonight. So he starts fighting all the natives, and they're like, all right, put him on. And I don't even know how he does it, but as they're catapulted in the air, he does some little loop-de-loop and kicks, you know, misses the guy. (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and I guess he—I don't even know what happens. To and of course they're—they're they're mad. And they, I guess they—I mean, honestly, I—I I, I swear to goodness, I stopped writing my notes at this point. It was so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But the gist of it is, they make their way to safety. He just punches out the gargoyle, and I think he just falls off. You know,
1: into yeah, the, falls off into into his death. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So now
0: all the path, you know, all the captives are now getting out back to the planes and then quick he's in disguise again and he's like hey William don't forget about me i was and they're like dude where were you and he goes oh i was i was so scared i was hiding in like this little the compartment, but they sure. found me and uh but the pilots they know 100% that he's the angel and they were like huh. hey for whatever reason he doesn't want to you know hey if he doesn't oh, want to yeah. show his secret identity then we won't tell it <laughs> but it was so obvious that he's the angel <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that, i mean that's the end it was it's pretty quick but All right As silly as it is, I got a kick out of it, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, am I going to read The Further Adventures of Angel? Probably not. Right. (laughs) They didn't do enough to keep my interest, I guess. But it was a fun read for this one little story, you know. (laughs) Uh, But that's it. That's all Winner's Comics, really. That's the end of the issue.
1: It's a a fun book. It definitely wasn't what we were expecting. uh, And what we did get was, I think, a little surprising. But uh, I'm glad we read it.
0: Yeah, I mean it's the next step. I mean it is. It's not what we wanted, like you said, as far as uh, a team up. But we yeah. get, we get it. We get a quote unquote. It's cool that up. they
1: yeah put out <laughs> a book of their number one characters.
0: Yeah, and, and so that's it's part of our homework, you know. Yeah. And again, I had some fun with some of these stories, so I'm, I'm mm-hmm. happy to have read it. Yeah. You know, we're we're, we're fastly approaching World War Two. Yeah. And so there's been a lot of debuts. There's been a lot of other characters. A lot of uh, of a lot of other issues if i could speak i figured we'll just kind of touch base on like we haven't talked about toro Mm -hmm. what else you want to talk about before we you know kind of enter a a dark time you
1: know oh i definitely want to talk about human torch comics number two which is the debut of toro so we'll kind of go back in time a little bit just before all winners and uh, from october 10th of 1940 I believe in our Marvel Comics number one episode, we covered why there's no Human Torch comics number one. Uh, and that's because of the... It was originally a comic called uh, Red Raven or Red Raven Comics. I tried looking it up and why they changed it, but I th- it probably didn't sell all that well.
0: They mentioned it in the Kirby book. No, sorry, mm-hmm. my Simon book that I read that uh, they didn't. it didn't do that great. They didn't put a lot of, like... Basically, Martin Goodwin panicked. It didn't yeah. didn't see it along, uh, so he basically just went to, "Hey, Human Torch is my number one guy right now. Yeah, so let's just let's just do a book on the Human Torch. That yeah. mean, it's, it's that simple."
1: So they retitle Red Raven, uh, Red Raven Comics becomes Human Torch Comics, and instead of starting at number one, they just kept the the Red Raven number one and made the second issue Human, human Torch number two. So.
0: Yeah, if, it, this is, if this was done modernly, there it, every new issue would be a new number one.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. They, they weren't worried about that back then. Mm-mm. This is an interesting story. It <laughs> is. Do you, do you just want to jump into it? Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you this
1: real quick. We never get an actual name of Toro. He's just Toro, right? Not in this issue. I do know what it is, but there's a lot of retconning I found yeah. with Toro. I'll bring up some of that stuff later, but he's just called Toro the, uh, sometimes he's called the Flaming Kid, yeah, the Flame Kid. Oh man, (laughs) this Toro, what what a poor, (laughs) sad story this is. (laughs) First off, it's a great cover, I I do want to say that. As we get into the, the story, like, Human Torch is flying across country, you know, it doesn't really say why he's out and about, but he's flying over... What does he say? The torch is attracted by the gay colored tents of a travelling circus below. So he he starts to descend, and as he descends, there's a fire eating kid doing a show, and the kid just suddenly bursts into flames. <laughs> and everyone's like, Why is this kid on fire? But he's not harmed. It's you know, not no big deal. Yeah. So he just the, the torch just happens upon another flame retardant person. I thought it was weird because when I read it I thought
0: that there was an accident and they were like, "Oh no, mm. he's going to be burned alive." And what happened? Yeah. And then cuz I called it a sudden onset of spontaneous combustion, but of course he is the flame-eating kid. Yeah. So he he falls and I'm like, "Oh, something happened yeah. right now to cause him to not burn." Mm. No.
1: <laughs> the, the did you kind of read the 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 other origin of of toro and kind of explains this okay i'll get into that i
0: stuck with just this so okay i mean essentially what like i mean i mean there's a whole subplot with like samson the strong man (laughs) yeah
1: someone who works for the circus who doesn't feel like he's getting paid enough or something so he's essentially the villain of the story he's gonna take down the circus after he's fired after torch shows up and and meets this flame flame kid he kind of shows Toro a bit of how to use his powers, and and it it seems that Torch sticks around for a little while, and they they work with each other, and they they practice you know, the Torch experiments with the boy. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. teaches him how to fly and that sort of thing, and then like it goes to the next like, big show, and and Samson lets some lions loose, I believe, tries to basically upset the show but Toro kind of kicks into into gear and and saves the saves the day basically we do get like Toro does tell uh torch like how he came to be here at the circus
0: yeah so <laughs> this this origins insane to me it's nuts
1: it is <laughs> it is bonkers yeah
0: <laughs> okay so what was it like two years prior he said he's going across cross country with his mom and dad right yeah uh, on a train and this is why he said I'm like we never get his name because i mm. first i like they just call him toro back then but they didn't they just never say his name
1: yeah i don't even at this point know if the boy <laughs> knows his name
0: yeah that's true because he seems very young like very <laughs> young um yeah. First of all, why the parents are letting him go to the back of the train by himself is beyond me (laughs) at that age. He's like, because that that was one comment I was going to make about Toro in general. Like, Bucky seems like a 12-year-old. Toro seems like an 8-year-old. You Mm -hmm. know, like, he just seems so much younger.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The way they draw him. Two years prior when he's telling this story about being on the train with his parents, yeah, so he's, yeah, maybe six. So Yeah, that's what, I mean that's what I'm saying. Like I, I
0: mean I don't know if that's the intention, right? But the way the art is and the way they like treat him as like such a little kid, he seems like he's so young. Yeah. I could see him being like four or five in this flashback, you know. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. um yeah, so the train just like derails, like it crashes. Yeah, it just hits a
1: tree that's laying on over the tracks. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean the, the entire train is like on fire. Um right. he's obviously he's the only He's the only survivor. Yeah, apparently. we don't see any other
0: survivors. Another train, a circus train, rolls up and stops behind, oh, yeah. beside it. And but at this point, like Toro's running towards the, the you know the flaming. He's looking for his mom and dad. You know, yeah. Between the flames and the smoke, he basically passes out. Right, but these people from the circus train find him and he's holding a molten piece
1: of metal, and it's not yeah. burning his hand though. And this guy's name is Tom. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so in my other. Podcast we we cover movies and we always end end this episode determining what the most heroic and most villainous moments in the story are, and this is by far the most villainous moment in this story. It's the these two Tom and I don't know if they say her name. I don't think they do. They're a circus act, you know. they're we find out they're they're fire eaters, or you know, and the kid like just having witnessed his family die. He says, uh, it looks like we found the greatest attraction in the world. He's waking up and he says, uh, you know, do you have any relatives we can get in touch with? And the kid, you know, he's a kid. He says, not that I know of. And so she suggests that maybe they can adopt him. And Tom says, yeah, sure. And and we'll feature him in our fire eating act. And they just say like, how about it, son? Do you want to, do you want us to be your parents? And he's like, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like eager. Like, never mind the fact that your parents
0: just are murdered like two feet from you. Like, not oh, murder, but uh, dead. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I wrote, my note says Tom knows exactly what to do about this. Exploit mm-hmm. him for monetary gain. That like, is exactly
1: <laughs> what happens. And then, yeah, so they take him to the, the Pops, you know, Pops Circus. Pop is kind of like an older guy that's that's in the story, but just just bad decisions all around just why is no one like maybe let's try to find this kid's family you know certainly this train wreck is going to bring the attention of you know authorities like we can probably figure out who was on the train and where everyone was coming from and And no they just kidnap no (laughs) they just kidnap a child put him on the the circus train and head to the next town presumably
0: and and they even ask him like I thought this was funny too. It's like, do, you know, where did you get your powers from, or why aren't you burnt? And he's like, yeah. I don't know. It's just always I been know. that way. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I used to pull baked potatoes out of the oven at home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm like,
0: okay, then. I mean, that's yeah. the explanation. But like that, that's the origin. That's it. Yeah. He He's just always has
1: been that way. Can I can I go into the the retconned origin? Please do. It, c- it comes later. I mean, I, yeah. I'm jumping af- ahead basically to uh Invaders number 22 from 1977 uh written by Roy Thomas and this is where he gets his name so he's uh, Toro is is Thomas Raymond and mm. Thomas Raymond they retcon he's a mutant ah Although that gets later retconned in all new oh. Invaders number eight from 2014, jumping ahead even further, um, it's re- let me it's guess, re- he's an Inhuman now.
0: <laughs> exactly, oh. it's revealed
1: that he has a recessive Inhuman gene, but his body reacted to the presence of the Human Torch, and that's why he flamed on. But then, if you go back to that Invaders number twenty-two from from 77, the origin they give him, they go back. You know, it's it's a bit prequely. Because Thomas Raymond's parents are Fred and Nora. They're both scientists. Uh, Fred worked with Professor Phineas Horton years Uh. before Horton created the Human Torch. He was an expert with uh, flame proofing, and he was doing experiments with asbestos. And then Nora was also a scientist, and she was doing work with radium, and so both scientists were working—they you know, were both heading down paths that were not good. They were both working with things that were ultimately going to kill them, just just from exposure. <laughs> right. So they get married. Uh, nine months later, they have Thomas. And then years go by, and they, they notice that he's immune to fire. Uh, she believes then that he's a mutant. And then a villain called Asbestos Lady shows up. Uh, trying to make Fred do some asbestos work for her. I don't know if it's like trying to make a suit or make a weapon, something like that. Uh, Human Torch shows up and stops her. And so Fred decides, I got to get my family out of town. We're going to go on this vacation. Asbestos lady shows up and has her crew push a tree over onto the tracks. Mm. And that's why the train wrecks it. So they were murdered. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. But that's just a little bit of like retcon to to show you a bit why Thomas Raymond is immune to fire. I think the they were kind of going for the parents were both exposed to these flame, you know, both yeah yeah elements, and then they had a kid, and now that kid is immune to fire. So I think that's what they were kind of going for. But then ultimately they made him a an inhuman.
0: Uh, you know, as as I do with many things that I read, especially in the more modern uh, Marvel comic stuff, I choose to ignore a lot of the stuff Retcon the Retcon. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry wolverine doesn't fight an angel of death every time he needs to use his healing factor. <laughs> it never happened. <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's just a mutant with a healing factor. That's it. Yeah, so I mean, I like that. and in fact, yeah, then I can't believe it never crossed my mind to even consider that he just he just was always that way. I just I'm like, "Oh, they just didn't have a, a an origin for him." <laughs> yeah. I yeah. like I like that. I actually the Invaders, Roy Thomas, which Roy Thomas did what you just told me. Yeah. Basically just expands upon what we've already seen. It hasn't mm-hmm. really it hasn't really contradicted anything. Sure. Um that's the best way to go back and do a retcon. Right. I like that. I like that he's a mutant. It makes sense. Namor's a mutant. Yeah. I like it. There's no other explanation necessary at that point. And and You could go the Inhuman route and say that it was activated once Torch was around. That's why he suddenly could flame on. Mm -hmm. Or you could go the mutant route of, you know, the same way like Torch is the Professor X and he's just helping him hone his already latent abilities. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So anyways – yeah, I like I like that, and it, it makes a lot more sense. Now, does it explain yeah. why he was kidnapped by a bunch of circus freaks? No,
1: just just pure <laughs> okay. American greed. That's that's okay. all that is. All right. So that hasn't changed. Okay. <laughs> no, no, you were right, dead <laughs> right that, that initially. Yeah, the they're just looking looking for a cash cow, and they find <laughs> right. they find Toro. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, the rest of the story. I mean, that's the main to me. Yeah. That's the main some attraction Samson of
1: the stuff. Yeah,
0: that's it. You know, but we, honestly, when they. The one thing about it at the end of the um, comic, though, Toro's still just Toro, the Flame Kid at the circus, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't go off with Torch.
1: I mean, well, we read in the in the first story where Torch was going to go to that festival and kind of keep an eye on it. He goes and gets Toro. Like, hey, we got a job to do. So, yeah, I think at some point they must he must leave the circus because the circus yeah. probably heads out of town, and and there's probably a scene where. Toro says, "Yeah, let me stay with uh, this android." Right.
0: <laughs> right, right. Well, and even the, the the issue ends with, or the you know the the story ends with, "Hey, you know, kids, write in and say, yeah. you know, let us know if you want to see more Toro." So, kids must have wrote wrote in and said, "Yes, we want more Toro." So, um, yeah, I just thought it was funny that that's how it ended. I th- I thought right then and there he'd be with them. Like now yeah. he's his Ward or whatever, and it just it just mm. doesn't. So,
1: that's that's that. There's a really good uh, Submariner story in this issue as well. I'm not gonna re- recap it or anything, but it is good.
0: What's uh overall? What's the the you could just the gist? You know, I'm curious as all. Um,
1: the Navy is unveiling this new like super you know battleship kind of thing, and um, the Nazis are trying to sink it. So Namor has to like uh, get his aerial subs, and they they rescue it basically, and then. It's, I mean, it's just another like Namor versus the uh, Nazis. So. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, I actually went through and read USA Comics number one. Okay. It's a lot of capitalizing on the fact that like there's probably a lot of rah-rah Americanism right now mm. because of you know it's right ahead of the war, but also Captain America did so well. So one of the one of the main. Uh, stories in this is the debut of the defender (laughs) okay and it was a hundred percent a cash grab on hey what can we rush out quickly that's like captain america but we ordered them from wish (laughs) 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 so it's uh this is the the defender is uh don stevens is his name and he's the uh u.s he's a u.s marine and he has a sidekick named rusty (laughs) he's another 12 year old (laughs) redhead kid you know Uh, of course now, what I like about him is his costume is ridiculous. Like he's got this like red, kind of like the mask that the man in black wears in Princess Bride*, and then he's oh, okay. got a blue long sleeve tunic, you know, like shirt, and it says just his USA, running, uh, running um, up and down in the middle. It's in white, and then his pants are like these puffy pirate pants, you know, like they're red <laughs> and white. And, yeah, uh, it's it's just crazy. But and, and I was joking, you know, to myself because it's like. The army always gets like the good gear, and then the marines get the hand me down crap. And it's like, we get the hand me down Captain America, we get the yeah. defender. I, I actually, this is I looked, and I the only name that I could see as far as who created him was Charles Nichols or Nicholas. Mm-hmm. Basically, he, he has I think it this woman ends up being a reoccurring uh, villain, Dame Cackle. She's like a pirate, mm-hmm. <laughs> like. She's literally this. She cackles the whole cackle cackle. She literally does it throughout. And uh, basically, they're smuggling in Japanese saboteurs. Oh, that's a woman. Oh Oh, man, she looks like (laughs) just this ogre troll. (laughs) Yes. Well, she's an evil pirate lady. Yeah. Okay.
1: (laughs) She's she's the mom from she's Anne Ramsey from the Goonies. (laughs) Yes. Oh yeah
0: yeah. I didn't make that connection, but you're right. And she literally (laughs) like cackle cackle. But I mean, she's doubly evil because she's smuggling in Japanese saboteurs and she's working for the nazis okay <laughs> so um she's because they, they name her the deadliest agent of the nazi gestapo essentially they find a, a japanese dead body in the in the harbor and they're like oh there's a schooner it's like an old school schooner but they go and investigate and like "Ah, no you know we we got nothing going on here and uh, you know they have a little fight but uh, eventually they do realize that yeah they're smuggling all these japanese people um you know saboteurs and mm-hmm. i mean more or less it's Fighting fifth element people with a a little kid, you know, (laughs) dressed up in a a pro America. But um, I just, I like the story. Yeah. I mean, there's some, trust me, there are some very questionable, and as people would put it, bothersome, you know, like, (laughs) you know, the problematic. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. There are some, more so than some of these other issues that we've read, there are some problematic language and depictions in this one. But overall, The gist of it, I just got a kick out of it. I just thought it was, you know, it's pretty standard fare stuff, though.
1: It's it's surprising that Timely would put out another book with a Captain America ripoff. You know, if they if another
0: company had done this, they would have sued them. There's, I mean, that's how close it is. Yeah, it's literally Rusty is Bucky. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's almost like there's so there's similarity in the way they talk and that they're dynamic um like so is there any other like either stories you want to recommend that you've read in this era or even characters that you're kind of aware of um because there's a bunch more that we just haven't get into and and we'll probably never talk about in a a single episode
1: yeah one of those that i want to talk about is from daring mystery comics number six and it's the introduction of marvel boy Hmm. and i really was just kind of drawn to it um I've, i've just kind of You know, been noticing throughout all the stories we've read, so many of them, the word Marvel is such a big part of a ton of them. I mean, most of them say, hey, Captain America will be in the next issue of Marvel Comics. And we know at this point, like, there really is no Marvel Comics. There's Marvel Mystery Comics there, but they're referring to the timely lineup of comics as Marvel Comics. So I just find that really interesting. So when I saw that there's a character called Marvel Boy, I was like, I wanna, ch- I wanna check out this and see kind of what this is all about. The cover of of Daring Mystery Comics number six, you know, it has Marvel Boy swinging in um, on a rope. He's uh, maybe not the again, like there's some problematic stuff at least on this cover. You know, the depiction of of some African American people, you know, not great. Just just in the the caricature nature of, of the way they're drawn.
0: I feel like we almost just need to put or it, it no longer even needs to be said, like just assume that anything <laughs> of any sort of racial sensitivity or ethnic sensitivity is going to be handled in probably the worst way possible yeah. as opposed to a delicate way. Yeah, uh, yeah. from this era, unfortunately.
1: Right. Um yeah, Marvel Boy though, created by our friends, you know, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. So this is another Joe and Joe and Jack. It's 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 hard to get away get away from these guys. Yeah. Um I I basically went through the story, it, it's his origin story. So I kind of did a recap of it. I'll I'll go through it uh trying not to spend too much time on it. But the story of Marvel Boy begins with some exposition about ancient Egypt and how it was uh, a, a far more advanced you know than any civilization in the 20th century, and how it was believed that they had unlocked secrets of reincarnation. Uh, so naturally, the story takes us from ancient Egypt to the deathbed of Hercules, who promises to come back someday when America needs me the most. Yeah, <laughs> well, let's take that in, folks. Uh, with that, Hercules dies, and his soul goes to Valhalla. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> right, because why, why wouldn't it? Because <laughs> why wouldn't it? So meanwhile on Earth, a tyrannical madman uh, is beginning to take over Europe, possibly with the guidance of Lord Mars, Ares, Ares God of War. Meanwhile in Valhalla, Hercules approaches Jupiter, Zeus, and tells him that it's time to return to America. Uh, Jupiter tells Hercules he will be reborn, but he will have to wait until he reaches manhood several years later. Ah, uh, before he can fulfill his destiny. So then, on Earth, we we meet some new parents, and they're shocked at the the strength of their their new newborn baby. Years later, that child uh, uh, is Martin Burns, and he declines an invitation to play ball with some other Utes, uh, secretly knowing that he'd be too strong to to play with them. So sounds like a real uh, Clark Kent, like declining to play football. Yeah. On Martin's 14th birthday, a a cloaked stranger arrives in the middle of a lightning storm and leaves a present for Martin with his mother. She places the the gift at his bedside table, and when he wakes up, he finds this sentient shadow in his bedroom, telling him he is actually Hercules reborn, and he will have a, a hard road ahead of him, lots of sacrifice. The shadow tells him to open the box and put on the costume and become Marvel Boy. So Marvel Boy suits up and the Shadow tells him that enemies are invading the nearby shores of the Hudson River and so Marvel Boy swoops into action and uh, he defeats it's an action scene I won't really go into every beat but he uh, he defeats these uh spies saboteurs who have come to the you know come to the shores he he goes to their leaders and uh, beats them up and makes the one who's still conscious, like tells them to to radio this U-boat that they all arrived in and tells them to head to these new coordinates. And the new coordinates will, are the U.S. naval base, so essentially <laughs> making making them give themselves up without them knowing it. And, uh, yeah, the story wraps up with Marvin's Martin's mother uh, reading about the previous night's action in the newspaper and kind of talking to to Martin about it. And then uh, a tardy Martin shows up to his class and is kind of taken to task by his teacher who tells him, eh, hey, it's a good thing we don't have to look to boys like you to protect our shores. So it's it's kind of a wink <laughs> and a nod to the, yeah. the camera as Martin's like, yeah, you know. It, and an exposition box that informs us that uh, Marvel Boy will appear in the next issue. That never happens. Oh, okay. <laughs> he never, <laughs> never appears again. This was a weird one, you know, the, I don't know why it starts with Hercules and Valhalla and Jupiter and all this ancient Egypt, you know, I don't know what's going on here. I, I like all that. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that
0: alone makes him more a worthy uh, uh, character, you know, it's yeah. like, it's so ridiculous. And it's like, let's just take a little bit from everything and throw mm-hmm. it all into one. Yeah. yeah. The,
1: the shadow t- tells him like, well, you'll have the strength of 20 men and all this and, and like I I do kind of wish that it would have continued, you know. I'd I'd like to get into some of that mythology and have a character who is based in, you know, he's he's basically a reincarnated god. That would be kind of fun to play with,
0: especially when he meets the real Hercules years later. In, I know, <laughs> in yeah. Marvel
1: comics, yeah. So then it, the weird thing is, like, so this is Mar- Martin Burns, and then in. USA Comics number seven from December of nineteen forty two, they re- reuse the basic like character name. Instead of Martin Burns, he's now Martin Oscar Burns. And just so happens that the creator of this issue is Bob Oscar. So they rename him slightly, to give him that middle name, basically. And then they redo the origin and it says that Martin Burns is a mild-mannered and meek high school student who accompanied his class on a high school field trip to a museum where they're shown a sarcophagus that supposedly contained the body of Hercules. The casket was accidentally knocked over by one of Martin's classmates and fell on the meek boy. Oh jeez! Uh, a vial supposedly containing the blood of Hercules inside the casket broke open, and its contents spilled on the wound that Martin sustained in the accident. <laughs> he soon found that he had gained superhuman strength and speed. So,
0: <laughs> and not a blood disease. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. So that's another Marvel boy that I don't. I think that one went one issue. There's a one in the fifties called uh, Robert Grayson. And in that, I kind of read through it. I think it's another Stan Lee story, and he's also called the Uranian. Like he's from from Uranus, and it's like a reverse Superman, where on Uranus he's like super strong and everything. His father has to send him to Earth to escape, but he tells him like on Earth you're going to be very weak. But if you take one of these pills every twenty four hours, you'll you'll keep your uh, Uranian Hmm. strength. Basically, so he comes becomes like a hero. I think he only appeared in a couple issues. And then mm. um, and like in the modern Marvel world, you've got Wendell Vaughn, a.k.a. Quasar, was Marvel boy for a little while, uh, Vance Astrovic, and then Novar, who's like the son or grandson or something to uh, Captain Marvel.
0: Yeah, with the VAR. Uh, yeah. They yeah. knew it was some sort of Cree.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's a little bit of a Marvel boy that, you know, That it's a fun story in, in this one, but has a little bit of a lasting legacy. Yeah, that, that
0: actually brings up something I, I did want to highlight before we go. I, although yeah. I do want to, there's a, one or two characters I did want to talk about real quick, the same way you just did. But uh, that segues into this, where they reuse a lot of these names from this time of oh, yeah. era. Angel, Human Torch, there was an Electro, a Falcon. An invisible man, which obviously became the Invisible Woman. Another one that ended up on the cutting room floor was our di- discussion of Kazar, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, yeah. uh, the Jungle Boy, uh, Mar- you know, Marvel Boy was one of them. Mastermind, although they called him Mac- Mastermind Excello, <laughs> but oh, still yeah. Mastermind. Vision, Black Widow, Destroyer, Patriot, and even Young Avenger, although that was a team and not a person. You know,
1: <laughs> yeah. There's also uh, uh, in in the Daring. I think it's in the Daring comics during mystery comics there's a recurring character called Citizen V oh yeah citizen, yeah I... citizen 5 maybe i don't yeah. i never know how it's pronounced um but that you know cut to like the the thunderbolts team up where it's like the team of supervillains pretending to be heroes and and the leader of that team is really Baron Zemo and he goes by Citizen V
0: yeah, I caught that. I forgot to put that on my list. But um, so the one just real high level because I want to talk about the wizard because mm. he actually ends up in the invaders. He becomes part yeah. of the the invaders and the all winners squad later later on. Um, so he's obviously a character and needs a pee a lot. <laughs> no, but he was. Oh, come on, he got to make that joke.
1: Sure, with a name like the
0: wizard, it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so he be, he debuted in an, another one from USA Comics number one. It's credited to L. Ivinson as the penciler, and, and like on Wikipedia says writer unknown, but in the actual... It says Al Gabriel was mm. was in it on the actual issue, so I don't know if he did some art as well.
1: Yeah, probably. That was the same team on, on Black Marvel, and that yeah. one was written by Stan, so maybe same thing here, maybe.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's very... I mean, basically... He, he faces off against uh, somebody who framed his dad for murder and then brings him to justice, basically. It's a very a spe- short story. A
1: speedster whose father's framed for murder.
0: Yeah, no, I've never heard of that before. Huh.
1: Yeah. I'm looking at you, Flash. Yeah. <laughs> right? Flashpoint <laughs> reboot Flash. Origin. I was gonna
0: say, and also, you know, that's, uh, you know, this was like one of those instances where Marvel came first. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, basically, Wizard gets his powers from the blood of a mongoose.
1: <laughs> I mean, I forgot that. It's, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's so silly. Like, yeah. he's in or in like South America, or I think it's South America. No, or maybe they're in Africa. I can't remember. Yeah, I think they're in Africa because they're they're on the run because his dad was framed for murder, and. But then the son, you know, is 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 injured and he basically a snake comes at him and a mongoose kills the snake. And the dad's like, that's right. This is the fastest pl- animal on the planet. So I'm oh going to you know, transfer the that'll save my son and he goes you're going to be changed now and then the dad dies knowing that the son will be strong enough to go cuz he was like old and weak from all the pressure yeah. of, you know and then so the wizard decides that, you know he he's fast now and he's going to bring his dad's killer to justice and it's that simple like it's it's so yeah. silly and then uh just real quick another one that I really enjoyed was Mr. Liberty in USA Comics number 1 but he goes on to be known as Major
1: Liberty okay it's a good name
0: yeah and it's uh Sid Shores Mm. And somebody named Strum. I didn't. I didn't catch who that was. The guy's name is John Liberty. Go figure. He's mm. a professor of history, and he's like, man, you know, these fifth columnists and Nazis are running amok, and I, we need people like the 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 Patriots from from old from 1776. The only they were alive today to be able to take yeah. out these evil Nazis, and then <laughs> all of a sudden, like, I think it's Paul Re- Paul Revere is definitely in it, but one of I basically. His power is he can commune with the the founding fathers' spirit. So Paul oh. Revere shows up. Yeah. Uh, they find some Nazis, and I think the guy looks like a lot like a buff Adolf Hitler who they fight and uh, <laughs> and and they and they get um. Nathaniel Green and his Green Mountain Boys—they show up and they—they uh, they cause a distraction because they can't physically interfere, but they can only keep them from like moving yeah. away or something. So Major Liberty—he's dressed like a—he's dressed like a dandy, you know, man from yeah. the old, <laughs> from the Patriot era era. And then he gets some Boy Scouts to help beat up a bunch of Nazis, and it's like <laughs> it's amazing. Nice. And I'm like, now this is the type of thing I can get behind. They need to bring yeah. this guy back. But yeah, that's I mean, there's a few others I read, yeah. uh, but those are the two that stood out to me. The the defender the, the, the well, the three, I guess, the wizard and and uh Major Liberty, Mr. Liberty was amazing. Yeah. But um I mean there's Young Avenger who's another, you know, hey I'm a kid, I'm gonna go fight fifth yeah. Nazi columnists and and uh <laughs> you know, I got some sort of super strength but then it never explains where he got it from. Sure. You
1: know? Um, I wanted to check back in with uh, Namor, kind of see where he's been. I mean, obviously, he talked about Namor in that All Winners issue, but then I wanted to—there I, I, is a Submariner Comics, another title, you know, by Timely. It's, it's, uh, it's got two Namor stories, uh, I think, uh, then one, like, te- two-page text Namor story, and then maybe an, an angel—yeah, it's like 22 pages of The Angel, so— Mm. It's basically a, a a Namor and Angel book. The first Namor story, I'll kind of go through real quick. It's like the Submariner fighting single-handed, the world's first deep-sea blitzkrieg. And the book opens up on Der Fuhrer, and he's in a meeting with his war council, and he's saying he's tired of the Submariner interfering with his plans, and then he orders the attack on, on the Submariner's underwater kingdom. And so we cut to... They never say Atlantis, you know, of course, but in my head I always think of the Submariner's kingdom as Atlantis, but um, this entire kingdom is caught by surprise by these Nazi subs, and, like, buildings are destroyed, there's tons of casualties, like, everything is completely destroyed. It was a bit odd because Namor is there, and it almost seemed like they were Just caught completely unawares. They're shocked at how anyone would ever attack such a peaceful, peace-loving, you know, civilization and everything. So they never really respond right away. It's just they just get attacked. So Namor goes to the Emperor to plead to like, hey, send us to war. And meanwhile the the subs attack again, the they, they attack the Emperor's palace and the Emperor is killed. This puts Namor in charge, and then that I did notice carries over into the next stories. Yeah, so Namor leads these uh are underwater like seaplanes to attack the U-boats. And they do this really cool thing where the Nazi subs are heading towards some icebergs. And they notice, oh, there's some whales over there by the icebergs. They get closer and closer, and the whales start to like surround the German subs. And then it's revealed that they're not whales at all. They're Namor's has this fleet of ships that are shaped like whales. They look like whales. They're decoys. They uh, have these sides that open up, and these submariner soldiers like start opening fire on the Germans. They've got them surrounded, so they they manage to sink that U-boat fleet. And then there's another one on the horizon that's coming coming for them. So Namor says, like, the crew of one of these whale ships he has transferred to another, and he's gonna take this ship single-handedly and take on this this next fleet of subs. He basically leads them into a like a ring of icebergs, and as he leads all these German subs in there, the icebergs kind of surround them. The Nazis think that they've they've got Namor, you know, pinned and everything. And suddenly there are, uh, like, mounted guns on one of these icebergs. Like, the the <laughs> the submariners are, like, they're ready for him. You know, they've got mounted guns on, on this mountain, basically, this ice, iceberg. And they just open fire. They sink all the ships. Namor jumps into the water because he's kind of, like, in the line of fire, basically. So he goes into the water, uh, fights some divers and everything. It's really cool action uh, sequences. Eventually he gets, you know— gets overwhelmed he gets uh, uh captured and taken onto one of the subs but he manages to get free and he just wrecks shop in this uh, one sub and completely you know basically single-handedly at this point destroys the entire fleet so that's just the first story there is a second story uh it's definitely also worth a read and it centers around like there's some disease that's going through the their civilization and Namor needs radium to cure them, so he goes to New York. He meets up with uh, our old friend Betty Dean. She sends him on an adventure to just to go get the radium he needs, but that's been stolen just just the day <laughs> before the radium was stolen, so he's got to go get it, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's it's a fun story. So check out uh, Submariner Comics number one.
0: Yeah, I've I've said to you, Travis, you know, offline, like I need to set more time aside for this era. Of comics to just like read because every time I revisit it, I have a good time. There's yeah. always something good. I mean, I guess I was gonna ask you your thoughts on it, but I guess I'm already sharing mine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I'm pleasantly surprised how well done a lot of these com- these stories are. Yeah, some better than others. Obviously, there's a few that we know I've already kind of joked about, like, man, eh, they're just standard stuff. And but you know, like the Simon and Kirby stuff, I really enjoy the Captain America yeah. stuff. I, I think that's that it's a step above. I really have enjoyed the Submariner stuff. Anytime I've read that,
1: me too. I think that's been my favorite.
0: Yeah, I think those are more like to me. Those are more in the style of comics that could could translate into a more modern era. I do feel like the Human Torch, even though that was the most popular, I think at the time or one of the most. They're they're more kiddie fair. Mm-hmm. I think they're more childlike. They're they're just more in, not as mature, um, but still fun. Yeah. I still like. I still enjoy them. But overall, yeah, like, I mean, even some of the sillier stuff like Major Liberty, I enjoyed. You know, (laughs) like, yeah, it's there's there's some good stuff there. I like I read a Rockman one. It wasn't that good. (laughs) Um, And it's just like, yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's not my thing, but. I'm pleasantly surprised at some of these. So I mm-hmm. really do want to continue on with some of these, um, either all winners where it's an anthology or, yeah. you know, like Captain America itself because, like, again, I like that character anyways, but they're just so good. So, so, like, what what are some takeaways that you've had from this era, like kind of so far? Like I'm surprised at how good, good a lot of this is, Ben.
1: Yeah, um, the tone of a lot of them has always surprised me of how – how much they use just death you know I just I always thought that the comics from this era were super kid-friendly and silly and so I'm always shocked if someone dies I don't know why I just I always think that they're going to be handling these books completely differently here it, it makes sense I mean I I think I'm thinking of comics post the Frederick Wortham you know all that stuff where they they changed comics um, so it is surprising to me to see how comics are prior to all that. Like like we said, I've really been enjoying the uh, the Namor stuff. For some reason, some of the Captain America stuff hasn't really clicked in with me yet. I'm just not loving those stories as much. And then the Human Torch stuff, um, I'm they're usually fun adventures, but I'm not like I don't feel that the need to necessarily f- continue that story. Um, I th- I think I'm gonna keep reading a few of the the All Winners stuff and definitely the Submariner and, and read some more Namor. I'm
0: pleasantly surprised that there's yeah. been enough to. I always kind of viewed this era as, as something that just was not for me. Yeah, you know. But I, I've I've definitely found enough that I'm like this is fun and I I really encourage anybody who who's listening who maybe hasn't revisited or ever visited this era just take take a look. I mean, it's out there, especially if you have got the Marvel app. It's really easy to just grab, you know, an old issue and take a look at it and see if there's something you like.
1: Yeah. Uh, One quick little story I found uh, that was, I think it was advertised in the back of the Submariner comic was a thumbnail basically advertising uh, Daring Mystery Comics number seven. And what caught my eye was a a female hero. It was the Silver Scorpion. And I was like, wait, was, was there a Female-led story that uh, you know in one of these, and and so I checked out Daring Mystery Comics number seven, and there's a it's like a five-page little story. It's Betty Bar- Betty Barstow, and she's like on her way to a masquerade ball, and er- earlier she heard about a, a disturbance at the uh, cemetery, so she goes to check it out uh, while she's in her costume. And she just happens upon this gang of counterfeiters and she uses her skills in jujitsu to take them out. So it's like <laughs> just this quick little story about a female costumed hero and the papers all say, oh, she was like a, a silver scorpion, which is weird because she's in bright yellow and red and there's no silver. There's she does have a scorpion emblem on her cape, but yeah. Uh, uh, and she appears again in like the the next issue and has another quick little adventure. But you know, I think they then reuse her lit much later in some thunderbolts stuff, uh, in the in hmm. the 90s. So, or a version of her. So yeah, that was a quick little discovery. But is the other Black Widow is that a female character? Yeah, she came. From, okay. I wanted to. I was gonna mention her, but unfortunately,
0: uh, we couldn't. Her, her oh, uh, right. de- debut issue was not uh, there, but yeah. um, I did look up, you know, I went to one of these like kind of not Wikipedia, but, you know, one of these yeah. like talking about characters. And yeah, funny that they say Black Widow was created by George uh, Capitan and Harry Schall. Schall? They, she made mm. her debut in Mystic Comics issue number four in 1940. So they, they call this out in this little article. She earns the, the distinction of being the first costume superpowered female character to be okay. published. Just been other female characters. Yeah. She's for a superpower. Her name is Clairvoyant.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> and uh she is the an agent of uh Satan, basically. it's <laughs> um, <laughs> and this is the, the I'll just read the the introduction to Black Widow and Mr. Comics number four. Introducing the strangest most terrifying character in action picture magazines, the Black Widow. You've heard of the Black Widow spider, that evil creature whose bite spells doom. Now start the adventures of another Black Widow, a human tool of Satan whose very touch <laughs> means death. I mean, she more or less got, got possessed by Satan, caused the death of a one of her clients as a clairvoyant, um, you know, as a seance yeah. person. And then they killed her. The, the, the guy who survived came back and killed her. And then Satan may gave her powers Dang. that if she touches somebody on the head. So then she started like going after evildoers. Sometimes yeah. she go after like religious fo- folk. Okay. But mostly, mostly evildoers. And at one point she basically signs up and then hangs out with the uh, invaders yeah. to fight Nazis. And I and they they wreck her origin of course. Sure, you know sure. to be a little bit different. But I love that original. Like she yeah. basically just works for the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Man. but uh, and his name's clairvoyant which is amazing but yeah um that i wish we could have gotten into that a little bit more but that that yeah. that was an interesting thing but yeah i mean that's that's really all i have yeah i mean really i think this time next issue i should say i mean it's time for war
1: it is yeah so basically we wanted to stay with everything that we've recapped here we wanted to stay in the 1940 41 area because we we know we're building up to world war ii so yeah next episode we're going to focus on world war ii we might talk about some of our artists writers that are going off to war i think that's probably what we're going to talk about
0: yeah i think it'll be more real world events yeah, that yeah. affected the creators next time and
1: yeah we're not necessarily going to do a report on world war ii that's <laughs> way too much to cover there but we'll focus on the people we know people in, in our world here we're
0: a comic book uh, podcast, yeah. not a history podcast. There you go. <laughs>
1: so look for that next time. I know we've got to get get things wrapped up here. So yeah, I mean that's 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 been this issue. Uh, you can check us out on uh, Twitter and Instagram. We're at Marvel Events Pod. You know, check out the Facebook group, the Marvel Events Timeline, Baxter Building Break Room. <laughs> you did it there you
0: go (laughs) you did it (laughs) Yep. anything else no i think that's it i mean i you know that's uh that's where we can be fine and uh look forward to everybody joining us next time where we talk some uh some serious stuff but we'll have fun yeah yeah we'll keep it light Come back next time for the continuing journey with Travis and Brian. Until then, join the conversation over at facebook.com slash groups slash marvel events timeline. On Twitter and Instagram at marvel events pod or email the show at marvel events pod at gmail.com.